listeners, welcome to the next session. An advice podcast for game masters who are seeking help with their next game session. I'm Adam Johns. And I'm Melissa Johns. Welcome to season three. Oh, season three. Season three. Did you think we would make it this far? Did you even know that we had seasons? <laughs> <laughs> well, I was asking you, not oh, you're them. Asking me, yeah, yeah. No, not really, I guess. This is our 41st episode. You and I actually made a bet early on about how many episodes we'd make it through. I think I bet 10 episodes. I think I said I would stop at 20. Oh, yeah. So how many? <laughs> what, we what was the bet? Did I, I, so I won. I don't, I don't know that we bet anything. I think it was just a... I think we were, we were seeing how many episodes we think we would make. You owe me $10,000. Yeah. Okay. Done. But we're married. <laughs> so. so it's just your money is my money. So we spent all that on a house. Crap. Yeah. We did, so, though. We bought a go. house. We we're bought gonna, a house. We're going to move again. Expect a um, another episode of no episode when we move. Yeah. Maybe we'll record like a short episode of like some ideas for you to use in your game or something. We it'll just have, it'll just be an episode of us coming up with dumb NPC names. How we don't we don't have time for that. Are you kidding me? We'll just record it right after this. It'll only be it'll only be, no, ten, it'll no. only be ten minutes, and it'll just be us making up <laughs> dumb NPC names. Don't promise things you can't follow through. on. I have a strong suspicion that if we did an episode like that, almost all of my NPC names would sound very similar. They would all other. start with the letter B. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, moving on to next session help. Yeah, let's do some next session this help. This is our first next session help of season three. Oh, that's so exciting. It's the same as all the other ones, but you know. <laughs> it does, hasn't changed at all. Hasn't changed. Yeah. Um, this comes from Mac Padmore. Mac Padmore. Mac Padmore. Mac, Mac Padmore. Or Mac P. Admore. P. Admore. Yeah. Yeah. It's much more Italian sounding. It really is. Um, Mac Padmore says, how to reflavor a Goltheus tree. I'm, I really hope I'm saying that right. Goltheus? Goltheus? Goltheus tree? It might Goltheus? be um, They say. I've only ever read it. I don't think I've ever read yeah, it. Yeah, I don't either. So now uh, maybe I should say it both ways. Yeah. Um, okay. My players are in a campaign where a Goltheus tree was planted by a corrupt priest. They are currently working through killing this tree and its minions. There was a flash in the sky, and then that year, the Druidic village where one of the players grew up in could not grow crops. This flash is what actually gave the first tree the power it needed to grow after it had been planted hundreds of years ago. The player was born under this flash and has had this bad omen hanging over her her whole life. I want the flash to have also ignited another Gothias tree in the forest that she is from but it is now only just coming to power so so there's two trees Mm. um i am looking for ideas on how to reflavor this a little bit so that it ties into the first but isn't just a case of killing the same creatures do you have any ideas one thing i was thinking was that maybe it caused a portal to the abyss that has been causing rot and evil to seep into the plants to make demon slash plant hybrids but i'm open to anything that's an interesting way to do it. So for listeners who don't know, um, a Goltheus tree or Goltheus tree, whichever way you want to pronounce it, is basically a, a sort of blighted vampire tree, essentially. Um, that, it's like the opposite of the Great Dooku tree, really. Yeah, sort of. And it, and it sort of causes all all the vegetation in the area to also become blighted and then to grow at a, at a supernatural rate. And they can like cause blighted plant creatures to come out of those areas and they can 
um they can continue to spread and stuff like that there's there's lots of it's totally worth looking up because it's a cool concept for for stuff in in a storyline and and i think in the original it's it's related to undead and vampires and stuff like that but really you could do whatever you want with it um and make it demon based or or anything like that as well so it sounds like there are two trees yeah so um there was this tree that was planted hundreds of years ago there was this flash in the sky and um that's what gave the first tree its power and the druidic village noticed that it couldn't grow crops and that's also when this one player was born um there's also been another tree that was planted um by this pr- by this priest corrupted priest yeah, I want the Flash to have also ignited another Gultheus tree in the forest that she is from, but it's now only just coming to power. So there's another tree in the forest where she's from, um, but only recently it's coming to power. And so uh, Mac Pedmore is trying to figure out um, how it ties in, how the second tree ties into the first tree, and okay, yeah, how it ties into their campaign. So... More, a little more detail would have been more helpful. Yeah, yeah. So I, I'm a little confused with the details. So we'll do our best with with kind of what we have. It it seems like there are two trees, but one of them was created hundreds of years ago. So that the part that I'm a little confused about is whether or not that tree still exists. The first which, one, which is the first one, which was the druid characters, the one that that appeared at the same time as the druid yeah. Characters. Maybe that's just the history of where this player heard of right. these so trees. It might have been like you have a tie to these kinds of trees or these these kinds of things, and that one was destroyed hundreds of years ago. You know, after the druids noticed that their crops wouldn't grow, yeah. and so they went hunted down and destroyed that tree. But but that there's always been this this connection because of was it when they were born or when they got their powers they were born at the same time as the flash in the sky so that's probably which also created the first gulf history well it it created its powers because the first one was planted by a corrupt priest but didn't come into power until the flash the flash of the lightning yeah this is sometimes how my campaigns end up going to where i'm like how did i how did i get into this situation yeah, there's, <laughs> this now plot there's is two, now very twisting and, and there's turning the flash, and it all, it all ties back to the flash <laughs> and there was like a but i created a flash because it originally i just had a flash of magic or something and i wanted it to be mysterious but now that flash of magic is tied into this other this other thing that i've created because i wanted to link back to your backstory but now i have a Gaultheus tree that apparently gets planted but doesn't actually get become a Gaultheus tree until the flash of magic happens which i now have to explain that little yeah. bit as well just, so it, sometimes know, this happens it's just the aurora borealis it's just the aurora localized borealis. in my kitchen um <laughs> so i love the idea of having a druid character who is linked to um the gulthius tree the corrupt priest yeah yeah um or the tree itself um oh, you mean a good druid yeah druid. the 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 main the player character druid. oh the character druid yeah gotcha uh who is linked to the tree in some way in some maybe important way. Yeah, maybe she can like maybe she can feel the pulse in her veins. Right. Um not pulse. Not pulse? Yeah, no, never mind. So I think there are there are a whole bunch of different ways that you could go with this. Um one way might be to uh to make it clear that this druid is actually a blighter. Um so the character? Yeah. So I don't think blighter actually exists in fifth edition. Uh, but in 3.5 edition, there was another kind of druid called a blighter. And blighters were basically evil druids. Um, and their role was the 
determination of death rather than the creation of life. The druids are all about like circle of life and stuff like that. But the blighter's role was basically the counteract of the the druids that are all fostering all this plant growth and life. And then the blighter is there to to be the other side of that coin. They're like the, the they're like the control fire right. of a forest fire. Exactly. And so the blighter believed that um, there was too much life in the world, and they would need to they their role in order to create balance and neutrality was to bring death, which was an important part of the circle Ooh, of life. This is very um, Marvel Endgame. Totally. Um, but there's also like you know um, there's there's lots of stories about there needing to be like a grim reaper like there has to be a grim reaper or life has no meaning because you have to have death um so one really interesting direction to take this would be that like a blighter has to exist and there no longer is one and 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 you you are the blighter whether you like it or not she might not know or want to be but she is and she's connected to the gulthiest tree that has to get planted every hundreds of years and the flash is part of your religion or god or it happens in nature right so you know this um but but the listeners might not but we created in critical core one of the modules is called the age of green and it's all about plants basically taking over the world um and it's this this seed plant that is basically causing all other plants to grow with with rapid and devastating uh growth over everything and destroy everything one interesting route to go with this would be you can ha- let the player have the option to deny their role as the blighter. And then as a result, there is an explosion of life in such a way that it starts consuming everything. Yeah. Um, and and like you can give the player the option. You can destroy this Goltheus tree. Um, it is connected to you in some way and you don't know what it is. And then they destroy it. And then only to find out that that Goltheus tree needs to exist because it is what keeps the like overgrowth the over yeah. over generation of these plants in check think like spirit vines in um legends of Korra. right when the the spirit vines start like taking over the city so there's there's like maybe an interesting role there that that this druid gets to play as the blighter the sort of usher of death of plants yeah and so uh mac padmore once some reflavor a bit so that they're not just killing the same creatures over and over again. So what are right. some enemies they can fight in and around the Gulthius tree? So I think you could, obviously you've got, you know, plant monsters. You could always reflavor any plant monster to be a dead plant monster, um, which is just an easy, easy reflavoring. Well, and it might be easier to kill. Totally. I mean, I, I know I can snap off dead dead uh, leaves off of my plant. Sure, pretty... maybe they're more flammable now than they would be otherwise. <laughs> on flambe. Uh, on flambe. Um, so I think that, that could totally be an easy way to go. Frankly, I'm a big fan, especially when it comes to stuff like plants or um, you've seen me do this with like books and stuff like that. I'm a big fan, fan of like take an iconic monster otherwise and make a plant version of it. <laughs> yeah. It's a dragon. Now it's a plant dragon. Oh, it's yeah. a manticore. Now it's a plant manticore. <laughs> you could make a um, what's the the berserker, the big eyeball one. What's the eyeball one? A uh, beholder. Beholder. A plant beholder. A plant beholder, but instead of a bunch of eyes, it's got a bunch of f- Venus flytraps all oh, yeah, over cool. it, or irises. And it um, it totally eats swarms of like bugs. Sure. There's actually an undead version of the beholder too, called um, a 
Oh no, I'm forgetting. Death Eater? Of a hearer? <laughs> no, that actually is a thing also. <laughs> or maybe that was a thing that Rainier made up. No, it's just called Beholder Zombie? I thought there was another. Death Tyrant. Death Tyrant. It's called a Death Tyrant. I like Venus Flytrap Beholder better. Yeah, I, I mean, just would call cool. it what, what a snapper. I think if you went the route where the where it's plants, it's not. If you went the route that we were talking about, where the player has to then be the the blighter or whatever, then you have all these live plant things. So then it makes a lot more sense to go plant Venus flytrap death uh, beholder. Or, or here's like here's what you do: the Goltheus tree is, um, or like you do, you kill the Goltheus tree. And now suddenly there's an explosion of plants. You kill the Goldie Street, it wasn't that hard. Now there's an explosion of plant life coming from some something. Mm-hmm. So where, the absence where the Goldie Street was. There's so much growth and magic. And all these like vines are coming out and they're attaching themselves into the back of creatures and taking them over. Oh, sure. Yeah, so now you get a got, mind control plot. Yeah. yeah, you have mind control, but it's essentially like the vines, like like Futurama. Yeah, yeah. It's the, sh- the shim. Shklee, shklee. shklee and Shklim and the Futurama movie, whatever yeah. one that one was. Um, and uh, it's on the back of their necks, but it's taking over beholders and it's taking over all these big creatures. And suddenly sure. they're like, essentially undead versions that are all attached to the tentacles so you can go after that you can go after the tentacle or you can try to follow where where this leads right um yeah i think that could be totally an interesting an interesting way to do that to do that yeah essentially the demon plant hybrids you were talking about well with the um i do like the portals to the abyss that open up like i'm imagining on on a tree or something there's these demon plant opening portals like um, where an owl might live, <laughs> like a hole in the tree. Yeah, but or you whatever, like you stick your head in and and like oh, it's it's a demon. I portal. I think you could totally go a demon direction here, and that would be a good way to go. I I think you you don't have to push the player into being a blighter either. You no. could you could go more classic like this is, you know, a a real bad tree, then it's destroying lots of plants, or, and you need to stop it. Or maybe the corrupt priest was a blighter. Sure. And planted the tree, and um, then you found out they actually need to do that, and you have to raise up the next blighter. It's not you. Oh, you have to go find You have it. to go find them. Oh. Maybe the reason you were born at the same time as the tree or whatever was because you are destined to become the seeker of yes, the blighter. the blighter seeker. Yeah, there's, a, there's always I want to interesting... write this story. No one claimed mine. <laughs> write it. You're going to write a book about it? Yep, totally, in all my free time. Yeah. Um. I I do like a good plot where you're not really the main character. You're not really the one who saves the day. It's it's an NPC who's going to save the day. You just need to get them there. Mm-hmm. Um, which is, you know, if done right, it's is actually a really fun plot to do because so many D and D plots are very clearly like ah, there was a prophecy and it was somebody with a uh, blue shirt <laughs> and a hat. I have a- a blue shirt and hat <laughs> it must be me it must be you <laughs> that's and their name starts with i e they start with e <laughs> my name starts with an a e no that's perfect that's <laughs> did you write my you, name down wrong because that's, that's clearly i spelled clearly. <laughs> so there is so, something fun especially if, if you've played a bunch already yeah the, the, you know we talk sometimes about cliche plots mm-hmm. and cliche bad guys that's all we talk about yeah okay that's that's, that's kind of what what this is one of the things um and and sometimes that's seen as as being really bad sometimes there are game masters who go oh that's so cliche you, you don't want to do a tavern start that's so cliche 
But I want to remind everybody that it's cliche if you've played Dungeons and Dragons for 10 years or 15 years. Um, it's If you're a brand new player to the game, those things may not be all that cliche to you at all. And sometimes it's really fun if you're new to the game to play out the cliche plot. Sometimes it's worthwhile to have just a bad guy who's just a bad guy. And there's no, there's not a lot of deeper stuff there. It is like, there's a corrupt priest and he buries a tree and it's a bad tree and you got to stop it and you also have to stop this priest. Um, and like, sometimes that's the interesting plot to play. So if that's the kind of group you're at, you know, it's a brand new group of players. They haven't been playing Dungeons and Dragons forever. I say go for that. Um, that is a, a fun plot. Let's go beat up this bad guy <laughs> and stop, you know, bad tree from making bad things happen. If you've got a group of players that have played for a long time or who are just interested in more complex twists and turns in their plot and more complex like uh, decisions that they have to make, then you, you start doing the more complicated plots. Then you start getting into the idea that like you are the chosen one here or you're not the chosen one. Your job is to find the chosen one mm. um, and, and that kind of thing where you can start getting into those uh, counter cliche ideas. And, you know, sometimes the best heroes are not the heroes. Like, think Samwise Gamgee in Lord of the Rings. Like, he's the sidekick character, but, like, feels so much like the true hero of the of the books. It's totally true. Keep in mind, like, Sam Sam wasn't even supposed to go. Right. He he only went because he was so loyal to Frodo, and mm-hmm. and he was like, I, I'm not gonna let you out of my sight. I'm gonna, I'm gonna stay with you and keep you safe um which is amazing uh and then sam winds up being you know ultimately kind of the true hero of the story yeah cool yeah cool good good plot i do like i like i love the idea of the golfiest tree just in general i think there's a lot of good plot stuff you can do with i'm a little like surprised like when i read about the golfiest tree i was like wow why didn't you use that in critical core um i don't know <laughs> We went. We went a different direction. We created a new kind of magic that we called void magic. Yeah. Um. And uh, I I don't regret it. This might have been a cool direction to go otherwise. Um. Especially like really pulling in the druids and the blighter and stuff like that. And we completely avoided like almost all the druid stuff. In oh yeah. Core module. All right. Moving on to Oswald's umbrella. Oz. Okay. Is that the name of the person or yeah. is that the item? That That's we're... <laughs> the name of the person, although it totally should be an item. It does sound like a cool item. Oswald's umbrella. It Oswald's... just makes me feel like Oswald the, the rabbit. Oswald the lucky rabbit, the cartoon character in 1927. Oh, yeah. Um, that was essentially like... Um, this was the Disney character. Or yeah, it was a Disney character. Yeah. Um, prior it, to Mickey or whatever. Yeah, prior to Mickey. And they, they talk about it in Epic Mickey. Right. The video yeah, game I series. I remember that. Yeah, so Oswald's umbrella. Maybe that is this. Maybe they're referencing maybe the same Oswald. Maybe it's a reference to Oswald. Maybe their name is just Oswald, and they really like their umbrella. Oh yeah. Or maybe they really hate their umbrella. Um, Oswald's umbrella asks, "Can I depict realistic grief without making the session a total downer?" Oh, oof. okay. <laughs> in in the last session, a player character decided to murder the big bad of the mini arc we just did. He was more morally gray than pure evil, however, and his daughter turned out to be the player character's favorite character. After the last session ended, she, the player, realized that she was going to have to tell the daughter what happened. Now, I'm trying to come up with a way to depict the character's grief realistically without making the game a total downer and without ruining the friendship that the PC really values. 
This is a plot-based game with an action-adventure tone, plus a hint of silliness dropped in every now and then. Uh, I'm not sure how to handle such a serious topic in a game that's never been super serious. In addition, the player has been agonizing over how the conversation will go for a couple of weeks now, and I don't want to twist the knife by making the character react horribly. For more info on the daughter character, she's no longer close to her father and escaped his manner because, to put it broadly, she disagrees with his utilitarian politics. Despite their fervent disagreements, fervent or, yeah, fervent. Despite their fervent disagreements, I don't think it would be very realistic for her to hear the news of his death and not react with some grief. Any advice would be very appreciated. So, oh man, this is such a this yeah. is such an interesting question. So to sum up, player character killed bad guy. Bad guy was uh, bad guy's H- daughter, daughter. Daughter is friend of player character who killed the bad guy. Okay. So a couple of things to go over first. Um, I would never do a session with my players where I was going to be touching on grief and potentially things that may hit very close to home with my players, like parent death, um, without setting some safety tools at the beginning of the session. So I strongly, strongly, strongly recommend that you, uh, you know, provide a couple of safety tools like the X card uh, or um, uh, fade to black as uh, safety tools you can go over at the beginning of the session and say, just so everybody knows, there's a possibility that today's session could get into some more serious stuff. I want to give everybody a set of tools that you can use. If it gets overwhelming, here's some some things that you can do. Um, and I would provide them with a way to end the scene if they feel like they need to end the scene and just move on to whatever is after that, or a way to step away from the table and face no consequences from doing so. So if they're like, I don't want to end the scene, but I want to, but this is getting a little too heavy for me, I'm going to you know, flip over my X card, and that can be the rule you determine at the beginning for the X card. There's lots of ways to use X cards, which... I think we've talked about before, um, so I won't I won't go over it in detail. But I strongly recommend you look up if you're if you're curious about creating safety tools for your table. Um, you can totally look up D and D safety tools, and you'll find a bunch of resources for that. Uh, I think there's even some. Do we have any on our resource page? Um, we don't. Do you have any on Game to Grow's page? Uh, maybe I'll send you some links. You okay, can yeah, on that'd page. be great. Um, so you can find them on our resource page eventually. Um, eventually, and the um. So you can make the X card. The rule for the X card is just that when I flip it over, we don't stop the scene. It just means I'm going to step away from the table. Don't don't worry about me, you know. You can set up that rule ahead of time. And then you can have also a fade to black. So somebody can say, this is too much. I'm going to fade to black. Um, and then you can make that determination. So you can have a couple of tools for safety. That being said, um, I use grief quite a bit in my games, actually. Um, I use grief and sad moments and sad connections to NPCs and... Um, and killing off characters, I find that I make a much more compelling gameplay if I can help the players feel emotionally connected to what's going on. And th- that doesn't always mean that we're cracking jokes and and you know having a goofy side character. Sometimes it means you got to have a character that is sad or a moment that is sad. And the fact that your character, your player, is agonizing for weeks about how they're going to break it to a fictional NPC is a good sign. It means that you're you're really getting into the role play aspect of this. Um, yes. I personally, um, and Adam, jump in at any time, um, but personally what I would do is I would have the character react. They, they're they're going to be stunned. They're going to be shocked. They're, they're going to be confused. You don't have to say much. 
you know, you can have your, you can have this daughter say, oh, really? Or just, just take a pause, take a breath, have that, have that character say, I, I need to step away or I need you to tell me everything and then have them be just too overcome with, with everything flooding in at once emotion wise. And you can have them step away and say, I'll catch up with you later. And it essentially, it kicks the can down the road, but it also gives everybody a, I told them we're taking a break. So yes, you could do that. You're smiling at me because I'm wrong. I'm not smiling at you because you're wrong. Uh Uh-huh. The, if I would really play this depending on the player. Okay. The person who's agonizing in this is obviously going to be the, the sort of main point. They're probably going to be the person who's leading the role play in this moment. And part of what, I think you can do as a game master in this role is you can lessen the blow, right? You can relieve their anxiety in the moment. What they're agonizing over is the way in which the NPC is going to react. And by giving the NPC stunned silence, you relieve the player. You this is the best you could have hoped for, right? They're not happy, but they're not they're not upset at you. But you could also give them the other side. And this this is derisive because you know you're really asking the question and the game master here whatever the person's uh, name oswald's is. umbrella oswald's umbrella oswald how could you forget how oswald's could i possibly umbrella. forget um oswald here is to some extent sort of playing with fire um and i also think that to be a really good storyteller you have to a little bit you have to create some space that's uncomfortable and this player is literally handing you the knife that they're ready to be twisted by, that they're ready to have stabbed into their back. Um, and I think there's an opportunity maybe here to do that. So I'm hesitant because obviously so much of this relies on your read on the player, on the relationship that you have with the player at the table as people, not just as, you know, game master and, and character, but as like, this is your friend. Um, and you're going to role play out a scene that maybe is like really heart wrenching. But if it were me, I would lean into it. So you would have the character, quote unquote, to Oswald. This NPC. This you dog. would have the NPC yeah. react, quote unquote, horribly and ruin the friendship. Yeah. Ouch. And I'd go a step further than that. Oh, revenge um, plot? I would go revenge plot. Oh, my goodness. So I would have the, the, but, the but NPC. But she didn't like her dad. It doesn't matter. Ugh. I would have the NPC react by saying, how dare you? How dare you take my father from me? How dare you be able to make that choice when it was my choice to make, not yours? And then I would totally turn it into a revenge plot. Oh my goodness. And like that scene is, oh, that's a good scene. And I would also couple it. The question, the real question here was, how do I do it without making it a downer? Yeah. I say, make it a downer. <laughs> but... I would plan something for shortly after that scene that can be a goofy everybody getting together and and lifting spirits back up again. I would not end the session with that scene. I would plan for to sandwich it a little bit. Fair enough. Into into something that can be uh, more goofy, like like um, you know the daughter is heartbroken, but like the kingdom is rejoicing and celebrating because the bad guy is dead. Um, or like you talk to somebody else and they, and they go, yeah, I mean, I think you made the right choice. 
And she may not feel that way. She may not ever forgive you for that. And and I still think you did the right thing. You saved a lot of people. Okay. That's fair enough. But there's another way you could do this. Oh, okay. Without making it a total downer, filling the brief here of the question would be um, the person says, NPC, I have to tell you something. And she goes, you killed him, didn't you? Okay. And 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 character goes, wow, yeah, yeah. How did you know? And she goes, I was there. I saw it. I was there. I watched it. I know that that was hard, and I forgive you. Done. No. Yeah. No. No. Yeah. No. You could totally do it that you way. You could. You could. But you lose. You lose the whole momentum. You lose the whole opportunity. Yeah. But what they're asking for is how do you make it not a downer? How do you make it not a downer? Let her explain it. Let her relieve that pressure of having this. This. You know, you know, she could she can even say, like, at first I was mad at you. At first I was, you know, you she could explain the entire range of emotion where she got to the point of forgiveness, where she she said, if you didn't do it, I would have done it. If I were you, I would have done it, too. Yeah, she didn't like your father. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I can I can see the the plot from a plot perspective. It makes a lot of sense that she maybe didn't like her father and yeah. didn't get along with her father. She, and, she can. And it's. Talk about how she had grief, and she st- she will always have some grief, and but she forgives them, and or maybe now is on a on a plot to go find out why the father turned into a utilitarian tyrant. Hmm. See, I think I think the revenge plot turns into like the daughter um, was working on a way to to sort of help their father see a new on a new path um and i think that's where the the revenge plot comes from is she took away the opportunity that the daughter had to like make things better mm-hmm. um yeah i think you could totally do that yeah that, no. that's that is a, that is way less of a downer i'm not disagreeing um, with you i think your way is better however but, but it's harder it's harder yeah. and i i personally wouldn't be able to do it with a realistic enough approach i would get through the how dare you yeah. And then if they started talking back and like wanting to have a discussion about that, I right. wouldn't, I wouldn't, or, or know cracking to, jokes, I wouldn't know what to say, which is like sometimes the thing that the players do. And when, when you start presenting uncomfortable situations to, yeah. to the player table, sometimes they will start cracking jokes and you're trying to create the serious situation, the serious moment. And the players are, are cracking jokes sometimes out of character. Right. Right. Which really detracts from, from the seriousness of the moment. So it's hard. It's super hard to stay in character as the angry NPC, as the the sad and hurt uh, character when the rest of the players at the table are not giving you what you need to stay in character. In exactly. Moment, right? Yeah. Which is why I would have a hard time. And I, you know, it's totally okay. Or or the other side, like maybe they, maybe like your friend is tearing up. Yeah. But if you've done your job right and you've given them those safety tools, then you leave you you can leave that up to them to make that choice. So then they can tear up, they can be sad and be in character and be in role. But because you've done your job right, you you've given them the opportunity to to end the scene if they need to end the scene or to sit in it if they if they feel like they want to sit in it. And you don't have to go so far too. You can do something in between. That's totally true. Yeah. You can be the I watched you do it. I knew you did it. I watched you do it, and I'm mad at you, and I'm grieving. But it doesn't necessarily have to be a revenge plot. Sure. 
You could also, if you really, if you really wanted to go the revenge plot, but you didn't feel like you had the the acting chops uh, to be able to really play that role, um, have the NPC not be there. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's she leaves a note, um, and it says, "I know what you did, and I will never forgive you." Yeah, or which is which is also terribly sad, and also doesn't necessarily require the same level of like you playing out the scene. And like now that that character has run away and maybe will show up again later. Or NPC had a brother who will never forgive you. Oh, yeah. And is coming right. after you. Uh, which would also be kind of a fun twist. Mm-hmm. Right. There's, a, there's another. Um, I forgive you. I understand you, why you did what you did. But my brother will likely never forgive you. And then you're like, what, brother? <laughs> bum, bum, bum. Bum, bum, bum. There's another Skywalker. There's another there's Skywalker. There's always there's another Skywalker. Another. <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, cool. What well, a cool, what a cool question. Yeah, and not not to make this episode a downer, but we should take a break so you y'all can sit in it. Yeah, there you go, <laughs> sit in that and that discomfort right there that yeah. you're feeling. Yeah. Listen to our our ad music <laughs> our and then our music. ad, our discomfortable ad music. Here's here's how it goes. Bum 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 bum. Hey, it's us again. <laughs> That wasn't the ad, though. That was just Alyssa giving you a preview of the ad that's going to come. Season three. All right. Uh, season three. All right. Take a break. Yep. And we're back. Hey, we're back. How was that ad? Did you guys like it? Yeah. We haven't changed it. Was it better with the preview. We haven't changed it in 41 episodes. Maybe <laughs> should we, we do a post view ad? <laughs> Maybe we should. Like um, you just saw the ad, but you wish you had like the last tail end of it just to listen to it again. Oh, you know what we should do is we should we should do ad commentary on our ad. Oh my goodness. That's such a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure everybody wants that's to what listen every, to that. That's why you're here. <laughs> But what you're probably really here for is ask a GM questions. Oh yeah, let's do an ask we, a GM. We actually have two. We you're, have two ask. A you're GMs. welcome. Oh. Season three, we Ooh. have two. Ooh. Ask a GM. So the first one comes from Resurrectionist. Ooh, Resurrectionist. Resurrectionist says, "Help me out for one second. Oh. Done. All right. Well, let's move on to the second one. That's why we had two. That's, that is such a dad joke. <laughs> What, what I'm a dad. T- I'm we allowed t- to make. We were talking about so. cliches earlier. Yeah, it's totally okay. <laughs> One of my players thinks he just broke wild shape by applying the spell mask to it because he says mask can trick wild shape into thinking a non-beast creature is something that can be wild shaped into. And there's nothing readily available online to give me an answer one way or the other. But my thinking is that it doesn't work that way. How would you rule it? What spell? Wild shape. No. By applying the spell mask. I mean, my thought is you're the GM, so if you don't think it works that way, it doesn't work that way. Done. End of story. To clarify this question and understand what is actually going on here, what the person is talking about, they're actually talking about a spell called Arcanist Magic Aura, um, which is a second level spell that gives you, I won't go through the whole thing, but gives you an option to uh, an option called mask that says you change the way the target appears to spells and magical effects that detect creature types, such as a paladin's divine sense or the trigger of a symbol spell. You choose the type and other spells and effects, magic effects that treat the target as if it were a creature of that type of alignment. So basically, 
if your friend was undead and you wanted to make it so that somebody else's detect undead spell wouldn't work on your friend, you could cast this spell and it would place an illusion on your friend and they would no longer look like an undead creature. They still would be an undead creature. They just wouldn't look like it. Correct. Um, It would just be that the detect undead spell would not detect them as an undead creature because they would be hidden by the spell effect from this spell. Gotcha. From the Arcanist Magic Order. So the the question that's being asked here is, could you use that to then, quote-unquote, trick the wild shape ability to allow you to shapeshift into other non-beast creatures? So the, the, the straight answer, and the answer that I would recommend all Game Masters give, is no. <laughs> definitely not. Yes, do not yes and this. No but this. Um. I I leave it open always to game masters to do whatever the most fun thing is. However, one of the biggest restrictions to Wild Shape is the fact that it has to be a beast and very specifically cannot be a monstrosity. It cannot be a uh, a magical beast. It has to be like a a wild beast um, from normal normal woodland like beasts. Um, and eventually you unlock, you know, dinosaurs and stuff like that, but they aren't magical creatures in and of themselves. I cannot shapeshift using wild shape into a dragon. Or a pegasus. Or a pegasus, or a manticore, um, or a, you know, undead creature, or Chimera. any of those things. So it's a big part of the balance of the game to to have that restriction for druids, because if they could shapeshift into those more powerful creatures, they could do some pretty devastating stuff to the to the bad guys. So if I was wild shaped into a rhinoceros and you used mask on me to make it look like I was a pegasus, I'd still be a rhinoceros. I wouldn't suddenly become a pegasus. I would just look like one to... You you wouldn't even look like a pegasus. Oh. It would be if somebody cast a detect pegasus spell, then they would, their spell would be telling them there's a pegasus over there by that rhinoceros. <laughs> Wait, um, is it behind the rhinoceros? Right, Where and they'd be, like, they'd be like, I ah, swear there's a pegasus it, right it, over it's, there. Maybe the rhinoceros ate the pegasus. <laughs> oh, there you go, yeah. But but that's basically what it would do, is, is it wouldn't even make you look like a pegasus, it wouldn't give you any powers like a pegasus, it wouldn't give you any determination of being a creature type of pegasus. All it would do is make it look like there's a pegasus to a detect that type of creature spell. How many times have we said Pegasus? Too many times. Um, <laughs> Pegasi. That that being said, you cannot trick Wild Shape into anything. Um, there is no amount of uh, of like I convinced myself in my mind that Pegasus is Pegasi. Pegasi. That the creature of horses with wings is a normal beast. You cannot trick yourself and therefore trick Wild Shape. It doesn't work that way. You can't even use shape wild. Yes. Um, uh, You also, there's also a sort of order of operations problem here, which is you would have to shapeshift into the creature to then be able to change the the type of creature in which you shapeshifted into in order to then be able to shapeshift into a different type of creature, which of course doesn't work. Yeah. Um, So in addition to, yes, you cannot alter to trick to get around this this particular uh, class ability that is already very powerful, um, to make it even more powerful, I, I would just say, even if the wording worked out, I still wouldn't allow it. No. Um, and I would be like, well, yeah, that wording does work out that way, but it doesn't work out. But even in this case, the wording doesn't work out because it doesn't really make sense that you can no. that you can like change the 
type. I like the idea that the player's like, haha, I broke wild shape. And you go, no, no, you didn't. No, you didn't. Actually, no. (laughs) Turns out. Turns out, but no. (laughs) Try Um, again. I do like to reward players. You know, actually, I think one of the things that Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition sometimes really lacks is spell interaction is sort of like an interesting interaction from one spell to another spell um and there's a lot of reasons for it but because of the way that the spell system is done in in uh, fifth edition there's just not that much like interaction back and forth from spells every once in a while there's you know a spell that says if you cast this spell while this other spell is going on it has this effect usually nullifying the other spell um but for the most part, there's just not a lot of one spell interacting with another spell kind of stuff in 5th edition. You know, something I had stumbled upon that I thought was really interesting that I didn't know about was mm. um, there is a table called the Potion Miscibility Table. Mm. And it's about how potions interact together, like in oh, your stomach, if you fun. take them. Is it like at the same time? Yeah. Um, that's super fun. Gygax had it covered. One of the oddly improbable situations is the Potion Miscibility Table. Um, so I, I was starting to kind of dive into that and maybe I'll, um, I'll find it and post it on Twitter or something. Cause, um, just some of the ways that you think that like when we talk about spells and we're like, how, how did anybody think up? Why, why do I need this exact interpretation? It's because somebody was really creative and said, ah, ha, ha. Mm-hmm. Like in this case, I just tricked wild shape. No, no, you didn't. But that's really clever that and, you would try to think clever. about like it that. that way. It's yeah. like when people play magic cards and they're like i pit these two cards together and suddenly i broke the game and i'm like i would never have thought that now you have a hundred unicorns and and hilariously in magic cards that is actually a thing that has happened like throughout the history of magic as a as a tournament style game which is like oh i suddenly found a way to make an infinite amount of mana um and then like use that to make an infinite number of creatures yeah okay and magic goes Awesome, that's so cool. Now we're going to outlaw that outlaw that combination in tournament. Right. But congratulations, <laughs> congratulations on finding you, it. You did indeed break the game. Yeah. But in this case, yeah, no, no, yeah. no. No, you're no. fine. <laughs> no, you're fine. Um, thank you, Resurrectionist. Yeah. Um, just tell your player question. you're very clever. You're very clever and wrong. You're very clever. It didn't work this time. Yeah. Um, moving on to our next Ask a GM question call from Bulgarian Thornbill. Huh? A Bulgarian Thornbill. Uh, a bird. Is that a real bird or a made up bird? You know what? I'm not even going to look it up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to assume it's real for the purposes of this podcast. For the porpoises? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. It's a That's real porpoise. Hunt. Oh, yeah. There you go. Wow. They're I, huge. I do not want to come across a Bulgarian <laughs> Thornbill. Yeah, right. Um, Bulgarian Thornbill says, what role would I ask for to determine if my players have heard of a certain location before? Hmm. I can't tell which role I should ask for when my players say, I have heard, have we heard of, or I know about blank. They all have backgrounds in traveling around and being wanderers, but never in these specific regions, but they could have heard rumors. Sure. So if someone is walking along and goes, oh, I've heard about that castle. I do sometimes think there's like a weird, I, I wish there was like a, maybe a geography skill. Yeah. Cause it's like, is it history? Usually is I it, use history. That That is, that is, is my go-to. Investigation? Is it, there's a, it's a memory role. It is sort of a memory role. role. And I have actually table. done, I'm, I mean, I've done just straight intelligence roles hmm. um, as a, as a way of resolving that. Usually I'll do history. If it's, if it's knowledge about an area or it's knowledge about a city uh, or a, or a kingdom, or even a political structure, 
Um, I'll use history for that. And history makes sense because it's not necessarily the history of the region. It can be your personal history of when you might have heard of that before. That's uh, a fun interpretation, although real dangerous if I have like a very low history skill. And then like, I don't remember my own personal history. Yeah, <laughs> very yeah. Well. totally. Well, you can be like, oh, you rolled a 14. You remember in visiting a library and there sure. was a kid who was doing a research project on this very topic and you have heard of the name of that castle. Right. You don't yeah. remember it because you weren't doing the, the report. You remember his PowerPoint, but you also remember it was real boring and your friend was in the class at the same time and he cracked a joke while he was do- doing the PowerPoint. And you remember the joke, but you don't remember yeah. what the actual the, PowerPoint was. The PowerPoint was like right before your presentation. Uh, yeah, and you were so real nervous. You weren't even listening. Yeah. That's, that's, that's so too bad. Yeah, if only you had gone first and rolled a twenty. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, totally. I would use history also. Yeah, um, I will also sometimes leave it up to the players to make some determination on that. Like, I'm going to use my nature check because it's higher no, than my no, history no, check. No, thanks, I don't, I don't thanks mean for letting me. Check. I'm going to use acrobatics <laughs> to determine. <laughs> I tumble around and fall into the. On, the, onto, onto a the, map. Onto a map of the city. What a good tumble. <laughs> um, no, no. <laughs> That's meant, not what you meant? I meant to determine the, the, whether or not, how they know about the existence oh, of the city. Gotcha. Just as a, as a background determination. I can't use a medicine check? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, unfortunately, you can't, you can't use your, your deception check to figure out how well you know the, the details of the city. Um, <laughs> Uh, you're just gonna lie about it but be right yeah um, totally the <laughs> so, you know that's how i like to lie is to be right about my in, lies instead of a role instead of a role i would turn to the players and say hey uh how do any of you have any reason why you would know about this this town or this city um and i have had players use that as a way to just always know about whatever is going on but that's also fine. I have to. I actually have to give you some details about this place. So, like, if I was trying to keep something from you, um, I would just keep it from you in this instance, and I'd be like, "Yes, but you don't know this other important thing," and I would just not let you know that. Um, so, in most of the cases, if I go, everybody roll me a history check uh, to determine how how much you know about this city. I need someone to have succeeded on that yeah. check. You're going to tell them regardless, if but you, now uh, you get to direct. Who, who knows it? And I'm, I'm kind of taking a little bit of a gamble because if you all roll ones, now I have to be like, well, you all know nothing. You know nothing about this city, which is a real problem because I needed you all to know these other important details. But you happen upon a traveling caravan <laughs> you know of knowledgeable people who know so much. <laughs> you know so much and loves to tell people oh, all yes. about the city that you're about to walk into. Hey, dearies, come over here and hear a story. <laughs> well, you you all are in luck because I happen to be the tour guide for the city. Come with me and come on a on magical the tour. tour. Over here is the bad guy you're looking for, and <laughs> yeah. over there is what you should avoid. Um, yeah, history or uh, Adam's way of um, not telling. Tour guide. Well, tour guide, not, <laughs> not making them do a role, um, but asking who would know about it. Yes. Yeah. Or, you know, the the wrong answer, which is determine which role they want to roll. <laughs> Make everybody roll a um, religion check. Constitution right. saving throw. Constitution saving throw. <laughs> and somebody throws up the map, and there you go. Um, okay, we're gonna move on to. I kind of want to roll now. I want I want a table that creates a random 
randomly determined roll. Oh, that'd be pretty funny. So I roll on the table and say, it's going to be a athletics check. It's the table of tables. It's the table of tables. <laughs> there you go. Suddenly, one of you grows three feet. Why? <laughs> that All was right. well, that was That's your table roll. Table of tables. Table of tables. Um, we're going to move on to use that spell. Use that spell. This is where I name a spell and we talk about it. <laughs> That's... It's all in the name. <laughs> it's, it's all in the name. Um, the, the spell I picked for y'all today, I'm using y'all, Marika, um, is Guardian of Nature. All right. A spell from Xanathar's Guide to Everything. I like Xanathar's Guide to Everything because I haven't actually read it. So anytime I find a spell from there, I'm like, ooh, a new spell. <laughs> ooh, ooh, ooh. ooh, even though it's been around for a while. It's a transmutation, level four, casting time one, bonus action. Range of self components V, just verbal. Duration, concentration up to one minute. A nature spirit answers your call and transforms you into a powerful guardian. The transformation lasts until the spell ends. You choose one of the following forms to assume a primal beast or a great tree. Uh, see, great tree. Uh, see, great I got tree. this. Um, primal beast, bestial fur covers your body your facial features become feral and you gain the following benefits your walking speed increases by 10 feet you gain dark vision with a range of 120 feet you make strength based attack rolls with advantage your melee weapon attacks deal an extra 1d6 force damage on a hit if you were to do the great tree option your skin appears barky leaves sprout from your hair and you gain the following benefits you gain 10 temporary hit points you make constitution saving throws with advantage. You make dexterity and wisdom-based attack rolls with advantage. And while you're on the ground, um, the ground within 15 feet of you is difficult terrain for your enemies. Page 157 from Xanathar's Guide to Everything. Notice that, like, when you turn into the great tree, it doesn't say, like, you don't get to move anymore. Yes, yeah, true. Y'all, you're a tree. <laughs> no, you're a walking around tree. I guess. Yeah. You j like, These roots were made for walking. Ha oh my gosh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I wanted it to be like all this great stuff for Primal Beast and Great Tree is like, your skin appears barky and leaves sprout from your hair. <laughs> Done. <laughs> you are a tree. <laughs> <laughs> but you do get some benefits here. Yeah. It's actually pretty nice. Um, I, I like the spell. I like that it's, it's a bonus action. So like not only do you get your main action, you then turn into a giant beast or a big tree or whatever. You can whatever. still do your special attack or whatever. Yeah. So As can, a tree or a yeah, beast. Yeah, you turn into a beast and then still get your little extra force damage. It's not very much damage. Mm-mm. Give, given that... So I would imagine this is probably a druid spell. No, it's a transmutation. Well, yes. <laughs> um, it is probably restricted in who can cast it to druids. Although I could look it up. Um, I do really like that you get to roll with advantage. I think that's really worth it. Especially if you have something that is casting disadvantage. Suddenly, you can negate that. Oh, I guess rangers can get it as well, which is which is kind of cool. And of course, bards, if they were doing the the ability to get spells from anybody's stuff, of course. Um, I like the advantage. I I kind of wish it was a little more powerful. Beefier for a level four. Yeah, for a level four spell. Um, like I get advantage on a strength based attack roll, but if I'm a druid. But your melee I probably don't deals, have a whole lot of strength. Your melee weapon deals an extra 1d6 force on a hit. And which, so is, which is cool. This but is nice for a bonus action. You do this on top of... That's totally true. Um, druids don't get a second attack. And by, by the time you can get level 4 spells, you would have 2 attacks per round if you were any of the martial classes. So 
um, yes, I get an extra 1d6 force damage on a hit, but this doesn't really turn me into a melee attacker by any means. Mm. Um, and it doesn't really give me any other defenses, so I still have all the crappy hit points that I have as a druid. The only alternative that I might say would be a really cool way to do this would be if I allowed this to work even when you shapeshift into a into a beast. Oh, I see. Um, so wild shape So plus. wild shape, and you had happened to have cast this and maintained it. So you turn into a wild shape guardian of nature. Right. I like that. I also like the idea that if I turn into the great tree and suddenly all the ground within me, around me, is 15 feet of difficult terrain for your enemies, not for your, not for everybody. Mm-hmm. So I like the idea that I can turn into a tree with like maybe a big hollow underneath and people can like come in yeah, actually, and use I, it defensively. I like the tree one quite a bit more than I like the beast one mm-hmm. um, because the beast one feels like, especially because all druids can shapeshift into beasts, like that's not just a subclass druid ability. Um, because of that, it, it feels like the beast one is maybe a little lackluster, but the tree one is actually really cool. Um, constitution saving throws with advantage is actually really significant because constitution saving throws is how you, um, prevent against, uh, having your concentration interrupted. So that's super, super nice to have. Temporary hit points are always awesome. Dexterity and wisdom based attack rolls with advantage is also really cool because those are generally going to be all of your attack rolls. I like the idea that if I were to turn into the great tree, I might allow my players to have like special vine whips or something oh yeah you know like you can use the fact that you now have limbs and tree branches and everything like maybe you're a giant weeping willow and suddenly i have all these vines i'm going to swing them at my attackers if mm-hmm. they come close and it's difficult terrain so i might be able to knock everybody prone it, it doesn't necessarily have to be an attack attack that does damage but it could knock people prone that might help all of my friends who are now underneath my tree totally and once again this becomes way cooler if I can cast it in a beast shape, mm-hmm. um, which would be really cool to be like a beast, a, like a tree bear. <laughs> You're like a giant snapping turtle with a tree coming out of your back. Yeah, how cool would that be? That'd be pretty, pretty sweet. Frankly, I think it's kind of tragic the way that the druid doesn't get very many spells that they can actually use while in shapeshifted form. A ton of the spells are like not useful or, um, or distinctly like forbidden from having any effect while in shapeshifted form they're like yeah yeah yeah. you're a bear though yeah it just feels like not a good synergy um of like clearly the druid's got this thing that really defines the druid as very very different from everybody else but like then they've got all these other things that are sort of sometimes really really cool like some really cool spells and things like that but they can't use them at the same time they're using this very class defining feature that they have so sometimes it just feels like a little a little lackluster on that end. If it were me as a game master, I would let you use this and then still shapeshift into into a beast. Um, although you'd still have to juggle the you know action economy because this takes a bonus action and shapeshifting takes an action and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, or a bonus action. And this only you concentrate up to one minute. Right. Um, and so you still have to maintain last, your concentration. It doesn't last so. forever. Um, but I would totally allow the effects to, to continue if you cast it and then shapeshift into a beast. Um, yeah, I think it's a cool spell. I think it's a cool um, idea. Yeah. I like the imagery of a lot of it. I like the idea that you could you could name the kind of tree you are and that might give you some advantages or disadvantages. Like sure. suddenly I'm, really a, creative with it. I'm a pine tree and I'm dropping big spiked pine cones on everybody. Sure. I'm throwing. Yeah, you're throwing. <laughs> got a projectile weapon. I'm an apple tree throwing my apples, oh, yeah. rotten apples no, at everybody. Just from, 
Wizard of Oz. Wizard of Oz, yes. yeah. <laughs> Did you pick my apples? Yeah. That's fun. What a fun spell. And with that, I think we'll wrap it up. Cool. Another another episode under it. our belts. Season three. Season three episode. Woo! By the end of this season, we'll have gone one year of doing this podcast. Oh my god. What should we do for our one year? Um continue making episodes. Good idea. Yeah. Maybe we'll do something exciting. And um I have sent a couple emails out for addresses for stickers. Oh, so yeah. make yeah. sure you give your, your email address so I can say Hey, it's me, Alyssa. Can I have your address? I promise I'm not going to sell it. Yeah, that's pretty much what sell, my email I'm looks send like. You some stickers. Um, if you do, if you have submitted a question and we've answered your question on air, then uh, we will send you a sticker if you want one. If you don't want a sticker, um, more stickers for us. Then I guess we'll save them and send them to somebody who does one. I'm also looking at mugs. Oh yeah, they're not going to be free. You guys will have to buy them, but. I'm looking at mugs. They're real cool. Yeah, that'd be fun. I like mugs. Um, anyway, so thank you so much for coming and listening. Thank you so much for joining us for season three. Uh, you can uh, come and find us at nextsessionpodcast.com where you can submit a question or feedback or just tell us how much you like us. We're also on Twitter and Facebook at The Next Session. We're not the most active, but we're still there. Yeah, and if you ever send us a message, we will always respond to that. Always. Um, and you can also find us on Instagram at Next Session Podcast. Um, so I'm Adam Johns. And I'm Alyssa Johns. And join in next time and we will help you prep for your next session. Thanks, guys. Thank you.